Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, The Love and Dating Guru with Dr. Dan, an industry expert. I'm very excited about this show as it will bring new insight to our many listeners about the dating challenges in the 21st century and the do's and don'ts when seeking your soulmate. Everything you need or want to learn about the how-tos of dating and relationship will be discussed here. How to avoid being put into friend zone after the first date, being catfished, conned, or getting scammed, and so much more will be covered on this podcast. Toxic relationships can cause strife, breakup, or divorces. Infidelity, trust issues, trouble, finances can contribute to these challenges. Guests appearing on our show are experts in this industry, sharing their insight about the, what you can encounter in any stage of dating, getting into a relationship, and whatever chaos comes next. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a bilingual cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in relationship, marriage counseling using the EFT method, and post-divorce strategies when transitioning back into a single life. I provide individual one-on-one session in both French or English and also do group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550. And our official website is metalifecoach.online. Today, I'm very excited to have for our 14th episode of season one, a very special guest and marriage and family therapist, Valerie DeLugo. And just like uh, any of my previous podcasts, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Valerie, the floor is yours. Thank you. Hi, I'm Valerie DeLugo. I'm a marriage and family therapist here in California, Northern California. And also, uh, I am a dating and relationship coach. Um, I do specialize in relationships, whether I'm working with individuals. Uh, Many of the issues they're having in life has to do with uh, the people that they're in relationship with and uh, (laughs) or even at work, right? The relationships at work Um, and and um, for this uh, foreseeable future, I'm also um, focusing on those who are looking for love. So my my group coaching program uh, is called Reset Yourself for Love. So I had so many clients saying to me, that's it. And I, I mean, I think I said it before I was married, you know, uh, that's it. I just need to take a break. This is not working. I shouldn't be dating right now. I just need to focus on me. And in many cases, I was like, yeah, that's probably a great idea. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, sure. And just even honoring your intuition that's telling you, like, you need to take a break from this. Like something, something needs to get fixed. So we really honor that intuition uh, after we're done joking about it. We honor the intuition um, and we make space for that. But then I was thinking, well, yeah, there are some real specific things that I think would be amazing to accomplish during those times and honoring that, that, that thought of like, I Things, some things, something needs to get fixed before I get, you know, really serious about love or really find, quote, the one or the right one or like get into something serious. So, um, and also dating. Dating is hard out there. I, uh, my husband and I got together in the very early days of online dating, and I know that was tough, but um, it's very unnatural how we date these days. So I'm there. I started calling myself a dating doula because the, the, the road to love, <laughs> you know, the love canal (laughs) it's hard to birth a new relationship and uh, everyone deserves support i I agree and thank you so much for being here today and and hopefully helping a lot of a lot of our listeners that are actually having a lot of difficulties in uh finding the right one so um you said that you're a marriage and uh family therapist so uh, just tell me about Mm -hmm. uh, now that we are considered hopefully post 
pandemic era, um, what was the biggest challenge sure. that you have seen in couples who were isolated for 18 months and how did they now get to learn more about each other? Now, I know in the dating scene, um, the, the COVID helped people not deal too much with instant gratification as swiping left to right and then meeting that person that same day, mm -hmm. having probably a one night stand. Now they learn to get to know each other a little bit better because they could not meet face to face. So, but when it comes to couples, what would you, what would you say was the biggest challenges in getting to really know your spouse spending 24 hours a day with that person? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it really highlighted for some people and, and they probably already had an inkling that, that things weren't really working out so well, you know, um, but all these coping mechanisms and strategies that people who maybe weren't fully enjoying their relationship, you know, um, being very busy, being with other people, you know, being at their job a lot, all these, I think, coping mechanisms in sort of like a relationship that maybe had some issues those were really highlighted and I, I i spent some time with a lot of people where it really sort of jarred them like wow this really isn't working like i don't feel good and of course right the pandemic on top of that and all these existential crises going on um but i think that the at the covid pandemic really sort of slowed us all down and really got us face to face with ourselves gave us a lot of time I think that our world was it's so sped up that the the pandemic kind of forced us to slow down, see what was really important. Um, and and I, I think for some people it was hard. It was hard that all their coping strategies of how am I going to stay in this relationship that I'm not so happy with, it really slowed things down to, to, to really take a look at that. So we did a lot of work <laughs> in that area. <laughs> I can imagine. But does that mean that now that you get to know the person a little bit better, shouldn't, shouldn't that be make you get closer to that individual because you spend more time you get to know to know them in a much more deeper level than of course before people go to work they come back home they spend a few hours together have dinner and then go to sleep and then it's grand hog day day after day <laughs> weekend but now that you get to know your spouse you get to understand her love languages you get to understand what are what what triggers her what makes her happy what makes her sad <laughs> don't people try to invest a little bit more effort to want to make this marriage work? Well, Dr. Dan, I think that you are pointing out a very good, <laughs> good point. There's some people that, that saw it as an opportunity. Wow, I really get to really have more time with my spouse or my partner and really get to know them better. And I think some people were like, when they're negative sentiment override, I'm sure, right, you know that language, um, which just kind of like, you know, everything that happens, it's kind of bad, right? You're just the negative sentiment is taking over. I think some people were really like, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like all the things I'm learning. I don't like all the time we're spending together. But they had coping mechanisms, right? So they didn't have to experience it before. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, I love hearing about these couples that took the time that, okay, I'm going to spend time and get to know my partner better and and use this time as, as sort of exploration. Mm -hmm. That sounds amazing. Yes, it does. <laughs> so would you anticipate or predict that the divorce statistic will increase 
now that people are realizing that this person is not the right one for me mm. we think there's going to be more filings because i read an article just recently valerie which was kind of like very contradictory to what the pandemic actually created which is we see less and less divorces so mm. does that mean that people are getting less and less married necessarily or is it that the people who are in a different generation of age such as the baby boomers are the one who are more inclined to divorce because them being for so many years with that same partner. So what would what would you mm. anticipate at this point after this pandemic? Yeah, that's that's a really good um, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people got divorced during the pandemic, right? I mean, the pandemic was so many years. <laughs> right? I mean, I, if you think about it, it's just amazing how long we endured that. Um, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I I do think that I used the word existential before, right? I think that the pandemic maybe just kind of got us back into connection with like life is short. We have one life. Um, what am I doing with my life if it's not pleasurable, if it's not enjoyable? Um, I think everybody being at home really put that pressure on. So I don't know. I, I guess I would predict that they might continue to rise, but maybe, I don't know, maybe less people are are getting, um, you know, are getting maybe officially married. Yeah. But that can really uh, cause... We'll, we'll see. That'll be an interesting trend. Actually, you're right. Um, so when it goes to the people who are not in relationship, Valerie, and uh, mm -hmm. as you are a dating and relationship uh, expert, what is your advice for those who actually are trying to find that significant other? Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the world of dating with all those online dating scams that we see, the Tinder swindler and all that, what, <laughs> what are the, the part that you would highly suggest them to consider prior to jumping into relationship just because they got to a point where am I ever going to meet that special someone? And when you're single for one, two, three, four years, you start mm -hmm. questioning yourself. So is, is, am I me the problem or is right. there no other guy or women out there for me? Yes. Well, whenever I get this question, I sort of have a gift of encouragement. So I start out by encouraging everyone who's dating. If you're listening to this and you are in the dating game right now, sometimes it feels like the squid game. You're in the squid games. <laughs> but if you are in the dating game right now, I just want to encourage you. It is a tough road. It is. It's bizarre. I, I tell people, um, do you know why those meeting somebody and new is feels wild? Because they're strangers. Yeah. They're strangers that we're starting to feel a connection with. So they're going to take you on a wild ride because they're strangers. You don't know them. You cannot predict what's going to come next. If you like, if you start dating the guy that sits a few cubicles over and you kind of watch him, you know what he brings for lunch, you know, you know how he like interacts with people. That might be a gentler ride. That's just kind of like, you know, the lazy river ride. But if this is a stranger, no wonder it's feeling wild. No wonder you're feeling like you have no idea you're getting whiplash it's a wild ride these are strangers yeah. so have some grace for yourself know that like you have the collective right when we talk about self-compassion as therapists right we talk about connecting yourself um 
to others who would have gone before you or just kind of connecting to this whole humanity that there's been so many other people like you looking for love. And I always try to encourage people to that statistics are on your side. Most people uh, get married in their life or partner up, right? So um, if you truly want it and you're truly, um, there aren't any blockages that, that, are, that are causing it, you're going to find love. Uh, I just think that the timing we can't control. Yes, that is right. Timing. But then again, also, it's a lot of people try to give the best of themselves in the beginning. So what kind of like red flags would you tell people to really pay attention to before they kind of like allow themselves to say, this is not going anywhere and I better just be very cautious about this person or just kind of like cut ties. Yeah. Um, is there like a specific uh, red flag that people should pay attention to, or is it primarily based on their own values? Mm, yeah, that's a good, that's a good uh, delineation. Well, first, I also want to say that I think the way you can prepare yourself as well is to just recognize and leave space for your desire, right? Sometimes we sort of feel kind of bad or... I don't know, just shameful that we want it so badly and like our, you know, our friends and family have it. And so there's kind of this shame maybe that we don't want to fully admit, I really want this. <laughs> and so I really, I really honor that desire with my clients, but it's the both and, right? So you leave room for it. Like emotions need space to be processed. When we push them down, then we start acting weird. Then it comes out in different ways and, and, and coping strategies that aren't so helpful. So yeah. I I think that, especially when you mentioned like the Tinder swindler and all, and getting catfished and things, I think what what makes us susceptible to those is that our desire is sort of like this blinding light. Correct. Yes. Right. Our desire for this thing is like a blinding light, and so there's things that don't. And and young love is a new love, new, yes. new relationship energy. You've heard that phrase. That's blinding. So you don't want the new relationship energy to sort of uh, blind you to some of the red flags. So mm -hmm. I think the way you do that, and the way you you protect yourself from from being swindled or catfished, is to really just leave room for that desire, acknowledge it and at the same time hold out but i'm not gonna allow this desire to to um lead me to accepting something that is not what i deserve or mm -hmm. right like mm -hmm. when we feel really anxious for something uh we tend to overlook the little things the little red yeah. flags right um that's why you know when you get the email from the um the African prince who just oh, needs yeah. a bank account here and all that. Yes. I get that a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those are the ones, right. They just, they know, they know it's kind of can be silly. Right. But it's, they're preying on people who are desperate. Yes. And so they just need one person to go, well, maybe I really need this. So maybe. Yes. And so I think just leaving room for your desire, it seems paradoxical, but leaving room for that can also um, help you. And also trust your instinct. And I'm sure that there's a little voice in there that says, there's no prince or African prince that's going to come back. <laughs> that's one. And second, and, and, and I see a lot. I mean, I, I did watch the, the series about the Tinder swindler. And I mean, I know that the, the women who got conned by this individual, they, they felt that they wanted to fill a void in their lives. And that void was so, so important that they just mm -hmm. kind of like, got blinded by 
every other request that this guy was saying, oh, I need money here, I need money there, and yada, yada, yada. So he was basically doing a Ponzi scheme. This is what it mm-hmm. was. And, mm-hmm. um, but people tend to not look. And as you said, they, you know, they're so blinded by that strong desire to be able to find a connection with someone. Yeah. Just don't look anything around their surrounding. Their eyes are just straight in their path and nothing else around is really important to them. So again, to all the listeners out there, just open your eyes. You're not blind. And, and once something is too good to be true, it is. So they- it is. I, I got an email this morning. Oh, your, your mortgage has been paid and closed. I'm like, well, I don't think an African prince did it. I think probably the mortgage company <laughs> sold it, but I've got, <laughs> you know, here's the other thing. I mean, I've straight up asked clients like, what would you sacrifice? Like, how much are you willing to sacrifice for to say somebody loves me? Mm-hmm. What What is it like? How much? Well, like all of your I, dignity, I, <laughs> half I, of your dignity. That, that, that's <laughs> what 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 is it like? Wh- I think those questions, right? The other thing, because I did a podcast uh, guest once about nar- um, narcissism, oh, yeah. and oh. my my antidote, my antidote, and can we also say like abusers? Um, you know, we now we understand in our social right um, uh, communication about grooming that that right everyone is groomed not just the victim everyone around them is groomed so that you trust swindlers you know we all think when we're you know hindsight's 2020 or we're watching a documentary about it oh how could they fall for that but um they're also good at it so right i i think too we have to just take off some of that shame too um, even narcissists, right? Some of that love bombing in the beginning, it's also actually also a chemistry. They're doing a chemistry experiment against your will on you, right? They're getting you to to feel all these chemicals, the dopamine, the oxytocin in your body so that you're bonded to this person and then they cut you down, right? But my big antidote for all of that, for being swindled, for for um, um, an abuse, like kind of an abuser or a narcissist, uh is self-centering mm-hmm. the more that you continue to center yourself Correct. the more you can continue to center yourself and your needs what you know is right for you what feels good in your intuition in your body the less likely you'll give in to those things that are trying to take from you that is so correct you're right and like you were talking about love bombing and all the other terms that uh, we hear out there it's you know after two three days no one's going to divulge their love for you and that you're the the most important person in their life. I mean, come on, this is, again, something that a lot of people fail to really understand because they don't center themselves, as you mentioned. There's a lack of balance somewhere. And this void is what they're trying to fill to be able to. But I I also think, yeah, that I think that, right, our entertainment, you know, our entertainment, um, you know, Hollywood, that's that's all the movies. Right. And the meaning we make. So, Dr. Dan, that's another thing that I talk about is the meaning we make. Um, I happen to be married to someone that has ADHD. And so, you know, he came on pretty strong in the beginning. And and so what's the meaning you make? Like, well, he's so sure. But it's like, do they like was it meant to be or do they have it? Like, (laughs) are they really excited about things at first? But it's all about the meaning we make. So I feel like we've been conditioned and maybe I can speak as, you know, from my experience socialized as a woman that like, wow, the the stronger they come on, the more that means about me. Wow, they must really be into me, Mm -hmm. right? They must really, this really must be it. Like, they're so sure. 
but I think we've got to cut that cut that out and stop this the meaning that we make of it. But then it becomes also as a personality trait, Valerie, because if let's say someone is type A yeah. and someone is very aggressive and they know what they want and they go with a full force, then you may say to yourself, yep. well, everyone else before him was not like that. They were very passive. They would just show any enthusiasm and wanting to meet me. So you'll say that this person is the one for you. But then again, this is also, well, if he's type A, then he's be he's going to be someone who's going to want to take control of everything. And then I make <laughs> A for the future. So this is where it becomes very difficult for them because they, there's a point of comparison that they have to make from previous relationship to the new one. That's yeah. So how do you balance that to say, well, because this person is so different from the other. So does that mean that they're good? Pretty good for them, that is. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, that's a really great question, too. I I remember thinking even in my dating that, um, you know, I, I thought I wanted a man that was incredibly like in touch with his emotions. And then I dated a guy who was like more like his emotions were more up and down than mine. And then I was like, well, I don't know if I really want that. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But I think but before that, I think I was dating somebody that was really not in, connected to their emotions. You know, I, I really think that we just take some deep breaths, slow it down, mm -hmm. really think about like. So this is a place where I talk about wasting time. So I know a lot of especially women say, like, I just feel like it has to happen soon. I don't want to waste time. Yeah, and we can't control when love comes. And I use radical acceptance with that a lot. Let's radically accept you don't ha you're not in control when when you meet somebody that you have a spark with. But what you are in control of is how much time you allow yourself to be with someone that you know really isn't what you want. That that is a good good aspect. And when you say time, time is something that you can never get back. You see, obviously, it's a it's a mm -hmm. currency. That doesn't have, or it has value depending exactly what you invest in, but you can never go back in time and try to change. Mm -hmm. You would do with money, etc. But then it comes to where, you know, how you value time. Because each and every one, we value time differently. Mm -hmm. Now, how, how much time do you want to put in someone before you say, I'm going to cut ties? Is it three months, sure. six months, a year? When, when do people know? I, I would say I'm going to set myself a specific calendar where I'm going to say, you know what, after three months, if nothing changes, he's not for me. But then people will say, mm -hmm. well, you may miss out on an opportunity. Maybe this person is very reserved. Maybe they're, they're just shy. Maybe it takes them a little bit more time to get out of their shell. So how can you differentiate between both? Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Dan, that's you. What I would say to this question is another one of my missions is to make direct communication sexy again. I don't know if it ever was, but we're going to make direct communication sexy. And um, have you read the attached book? I forget the author's names, but they talk about this. And I the 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 word picture I give to clients is that one of the things that stops us from just asking, because if you ask like, hey, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm having a good time. I like you. I'm just not sure if you're shy or just, this is the speed you're going. How do you, how do you feel? Because then you'll either get the answer you want or you get the answer yeah. that you need to move on. Right. Yeah. Seems very simple and very smart strategy, mm -hmm. but what stops us from doing that? It's this beautiful bubble called hope. 
or the hope bubble or fear of rejection or whatever mm-hmm. next. So yeah, when is, when is that question should be asked, Valerie? That's the ultimate question. I, I think you need to keep listening to yourself. I think you you're really the only one, right? I think that you got to take cues of like, okay, is this is this checking your boxes? How do you feel around him? Um, you know, do you have a trusted friend with like high emotional intelligence that can give you some feedback or at least give you feedback from how, what you're sharing with them. Right. Um, I think you just got to keep checking in. Like, is it worth it to me to keep seeing if this will work? But yeah, you're right. Like fear, hope, all those things stop us from just directly asking the question. But if you're feeling antsy, if you're feeling like, hey, I don't, I guess the other question is, well, what would change things? Okay. Like, what do you need from this person for it to be? yes, this is going to move forward. I also say to clients, if you just want to Netflix and chill, if you just want to have, especially for women, right? Giving them the permission. Mm -hmm. If that's, if you're okay with that, if you're okay with like, I just, you know, this is fun. I'll, I'll let this go and see, well, you know, we'll go to some baseball games. We'll go hang out. We'll, we'll do this. We'll do that. I don't need a marriage commitment right away. That's all right too, but keep checking in and then keep looking at all the compulsory things, right? The the compuls the compulsory monogamy, compulsory heterosexuality, compulsory parents, right? Like we our culture, everything your our culture expects you to be, right? Are are you doing this because do you really want a partner? Because be having a partner's tough. <laughs> having a partner is tough. It has amazing rewards and it's a lot of work. Do you really want that? Or is is this what society, your family, your religion, is this what they're telling you will make you happy? Because it feels amazing to be well-loved, but it's not gonna fix you. And it's not everything. And also the your special someone should not bring you happiness. They should contribute to it. And a lot of people, unfortunately, if Correct. Happy with themselves, they expect the other to be able to fulfill that happiness and they put the burden on them. And what creates is that when mm-hmm. this person is not bringing that happiness, then they feel that, okay, this person is not right for me. But they don't, they don't think mm-hmm. to realize that you have to seek happiness from within and not from without. And because of that, a lot of people fail to wanting to pursue a relationship, especially if they feel that, well, this person doesn't care because they're not really paying too much attention to me. Yeah. Well, and this is part of my framework for my Recept Yourself for Love program. Part of it is reclaiming your single periods, your singles. I call them your solos. Everyone loves to get a solo. If you've ever been a singer or, you know, or, or a monologue, we love solos. It's your time to shine. And actually, it's something else that we don't fully have control over. Mm-hmm. You'll have single seasons in your marriage where maybe your partner is really busy with something or they travel a lot or we don't know the future. So reclaiming singlehood that and I think especially for women, I can say or I can I can acknowledge this special pressure that is put on women if if no one has chosen you. Or why aren't you with someone? And I think that that's nonsense. And so I I lead people, I lead women especially through that reclaiming of your single life and that you, what are the things that you're putting on hold because you think you should have a partner to do them? You can have an incredibly rich, 
multifaceted life without a partner. And dare I say, like you just said, having a rich multifaceted life is what keeps the pressure from being all on your partner to make you happy. That is so right. So how can our listeners, Valerie, find you or find your program? That you're yes. Yeah, thank you. So please go to so this is love.club. That's my website. So this is love.club. And um, under the Find Love programs, you can hear more about that. You can sign up for my newsletter. I'm also uh, on Instagram at so this is love.club. Beautiful. And what is the last piece of advice that you'd like to give to all of the listeners for them to start realizing that the change has to be done from within and not from without and what they can go from there? Yeah, my my first my, the very first step someone can take is to just start asking themselves, what do I want? Mm-hmm. What sounds good today? What do I want for breakfast? <laughs> what what sounds like an amazing weekend? Because I deal with some I work with so many women that they're not there they they think they have to please their partner so much that they're really not in touch with their bodies or what they want and I like to say it this way, you know, when you when you have a weekend coming up, right? You're kind of in the back of your mind thinking about what's oh, what do I want to do this weekend. If you're not even conscious of it, you're like, oh, I have that show. Oh, the weather's gonna be nice. Oh, I just want to sleep in. Oh, we got this thing with the kids, and and we're it's kind of in the back of our minds, so we're not really even we're not even really fully aware of that. But then, so we're certainly not telling our partners because we're not fully aware of it. And so then, right, all this. Um, um, conflict comes up because we've never uh, communicated it. And then and then there's resentment, right? And we don't have some of that direct communication and that um, compromise that you need in a relationship. So I say just keep practicing checking in with yourself. That's so important. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Valerie, that is all the time that we have for today's podcast. And I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us and sharing your extensive knowledge in the field of dating and relationship. Now, the many recommendations that you share to our loyal listeners will help them better navigate through these choppy waters. Now, we hope that you've all enjoyed today's episode. And I'm very excited about the many upcoming industry experts that we have scheduled for season one of the Love and Dating Guru with Dr. Dent podcast, filled with very valuable tips and advice just like the one that you listened to today. My name is Dr. Dan Amzalag, and you may all stay safe, sane, and smart when searching for that special someone. Stay tuned for our next episode.